Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. Stand to your feet, grab your Bibles, let's get into the Word of God. Aren't you glad to be in church this Sunday morning? Come on, are you glad to be in church this Sunday morning? Come on, let's just lift up our hands again. Make it vocal. Come on, somebody, make it vocal. Get out of your, 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 your flesh. And I know you're tired, but you know what? Jesus gave you light today. Somebody tell them, thank you, Jesus. That's all you got to do. You came to worship Jesus, so just do it. Say, I love you, Lord. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your righteousness. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for faith in my life. Thank you, dear God, for the gospel of peace. Thank you, dear Lord, for the breastplate of righteousness in my life. We're so grateful for all things. There's nothing more powerful, God, than your love. Thank you for loving us. Somebody give him some love back. Just give him some love. Amen. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. I love, I love that movie. I love Incredibles 2. But I think we have an incredible church. And I think you're an incredible person. The reason why I'm not being loose with words and just trying to puff you up, but it's true. You are an incredible person. We are incredible people because an incredible God, an an incredibly loving Savior gave his life for all of us. He thinks you're special. And then he called us to live a life, but he didn't call us without giving us the necessary means to protect us and equip us. So this is what we're talking about today. The little segment with them going through there and testing out those suits and putting them under pressure. Today we're going to be talking about tried and true. Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. Finally, my brethren, in the New King James, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That means all of his spears and arrows and and temptations and snares and every trickery that he has. For verse 12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts or wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up, say it with me, take up. Turn to your neighbor and tell them it requires action if you're going to put it on. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. It didn't say, hey, don't leave the house without your helmet, and that's it. Don't leave the house without your shoes. It said, take up and put on the whole armor of God. Now, a lot of people don't know how to put on the armor of God, and and we're going to talk about that today. 
And I don't even know most people even realize that you have armor God's given you. But we're going to talk about that. And it says that you may be able to stand in the evil day. What's an evil day? Do you remember the other day when someone confronted you and told you off when you did nothing? Do you remember when all of a sudden all hell broke loose in your family and you're like, Where in the, what's going on? What's happening? I'm doing everything right. So you can withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. Put on, on the breastplate of righteousness having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace and above all taking the shield of faith which is, will be able to quench every fiery dart of the wicked and, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God and take it that's what it says and take utilize it use it grab it now, if I asked you right now, take on the whole armor of God, it sounds good, but how does it happen? Right? You have to ask yourself that question. We read this in the Bible. We quote it. We get screensavers on it. You, you have T-shirts about it. But how do you really do it? Can you give me the answer to that? Can you instruct me and tell me how to put it on? Most Christians don't know how to do that. They just know how to quote the scripture. They think that just quoting the scripture puts it on. That's not how it works. It helps. It gets your mind prepared, but there's more to it than that. I want you to pray, God, give me a revelation today. I mean, a true understanding, a good understanding. So make that your prayer. Come on, pray for the atmosphere. You know, you have the power and the authority to set the atmosphere just right where there's no distractions. Come on, pray it over this place. Speak it, speak it, and say, Lord, remove every distraction. Remove every thought from someone's mind who's causing them to feel depressed. And Lord, bring healing. Bring healing to every person that's here that's wrestling with, with hurts and things of the past. And Lord, bring peace and bring comfort. But Father, above all things, set the atmosphere for worship by touching our hearts and understanding God understanding that we will give you all the credit for a good day today in Jesus name and somebody say amen come on if you're a believer put your hands together and clap them unto God and give him some thanksgiving turn to somebody and tell them you're incredible you're incredible and you can be seated this Sunday morning <laughs> Uh, we like to tell every single one of our church family and all of our friends, especially all to all of you who have texted my wife during this time, and, and it's good to have Pops with us this Sunday morning in church. It's uh, very kind of you and all of you that to do what you did for our family, for being there at the funeral to uh, support us through this time and um, serving all of our, I, I don't know what to say, um, so grateful we had someone make us a meal almost every evening 
and send us food. And, and uh, we showed up here after the funeral, and everything was set up and ready to go. It just did so much for us because it's just such a blessing. So, so I, want you to, I want you to remember this. Your church family is so valuable. Your church family is so valuable. Don't ever take it for granted. And if, you don't, if you've never been blessed by your church family, it may, it's, probably, it's probably not the church at all. You have to let someone know if you need help. And so I thank God for all of you. You're wonderful. Give a round of applause for every, everyone here because church is just an awesome place. An awesome, you're an awesome group of people. I really do believe that you're incredible, not because I'm saying it and not because I've thought and concocted upon my own um, you know, meditation or thoughts or analysis, but the Bible really, really says this about us. God so loved the world, so loved you. Let's replace the world with you, or let's, re let's replace uh, the world with the Slavic family. God loved the Figueroa family. God loved the Riveras. God loved all of you. God loved Covenant Life Center so much that he sent his only begotten son into the world. And that, that message, and I would say message in a, in a package, but that, that gift in the package was the word of God robed around in flesh. And when Jesus came into the world, Jesus was tested. He was tested in every area of his life. But the scripture says he, he came into this world, but he had no sin in his life. And he was tempted like you and I were, subject to like passions, yet without sin. And, and we read about him. We read about his life and after he was baptized and after he went through the ceremony of baptism and how being endowed with the Holy Spirit, he he was empowered, and then he was led into the wilderness, and he was tempted of the devil 40 days and 40 nights, and then we, we, we saw how he used, how he used the word of God in his life. He went into the wilderness not just to be tempted only, but also to further his relationship with his father. Prayer and fasting and studying and, and, and exercising his faith was his lifestyle, it was his lifestyle. Jesus had a lot of moments in his life with his disciples as well. It wasn't always, you know, um, it wasn't always work. Uh, you know, they, they prayed hard, they worked hard, and then they played hard sometimes. They, they were fishing at times, and I, I, they had campfire moments, and they had dinner. You know, they, they just talked about the Word of God constantly, I'm sure, because I've been around preachers before. Preachers like to talk about the Word of God, at least the ones that I know. But here's what I do know. The very armor that you have on today was first tested by Jesus Christ. The very armor that was been given to you has first been tested, was tested by Jesus the righteousness was tested for integrity. Did you know that everything you have on from your clothes, everything that you are behind, like the steering wheel of your car, 
um, your lawnmowers, everything you buy in the, in the commerce market, in, in, through the internet, e-commerce, whatever you, wherever you shop, whatever you do, at the, everything has been tested. Every tire that's on your car has been tested for integrity. I've seen, I've seen the documentaries of, of them taking tires and putting them on devices that would actually simulate the actual wearing of the roads and, and the fa how fast they run and, and what they can take and how fast cars can go up to and how it responds to speeds when they put a car on rollers and they'll have every bit of device uh, electronically analysis, uh, taking analytics of all the the temperatures and all the, the pressures in the engine and, and how everything's censored to see how it responds under big, big pressure. So everything you have, I, I'm sure that all of these chairs are, they have a weight capacity on them. I hate ladders. <laughs> Almost every one of them were never made for me. But that's okay, it's not the manufacturer's fault, it's my fault. I'm a realist. I mean, I understand, you know. But everything has been tested. Everything has been tested. That's why Jesus came into this world also. So he, can, he, he was the beta form of you and I, the firstborn among all brethren, tried, tested, and came out true. The, the, the shield of faith, it works. It works. It took on the form of a word for him in the wilderness. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And that fiery dart and that, that simple attack strategy was deflected, hit the armor of righteousness, the breastplate, you know, the breastplate, literally, it guards the most vital organs. That's what that piece of armor is supposed to do, at least did. Even our soldiers now, how many people have, do, how many men do we have or ladies that we have that served in our armed forces? Were you given some kind, please give them a round of applause. I know now they have body armor for those that are serving to protect their vital organs. The most vital part of your life is mainly right here, where it's protected. Righteousness is one of the most vital parts of a Christian life, righteousness, because by righteousness, we stay free from sin. You can live free from sin. Righteousness is a product of obedience. Obedience leads to righteousness. Righteousness leads to holiness. It, it, it is all ties in together, but it's not just put on per se, just by a quotation. It is lived on. I'm going to say this phrase. I want you to remember this. It'll make sense later. The armor of God isn't put on. It is lived on. Remember that. I think it... Probably not grammatically correct in the way I've said that, but it's okay. It's my definition. Some things only take place and are manifested, or they, they're seen in your life through adversity. Through adversity. 
So when you say something like, I put on the whole armor of God today, that's wonderful. It's great. It helps your faith. But until you have adversity, a challenge, a trying moment, you really don't know what you have on or how you're going to respond because pressure brings out the best or the worst in us, right? Under pressure, right? Putting something on is more than just saying it. Paul specifically said, take action, take on. How do you take on something that's invisible, that's not being able to be seen by the eye, but more or less is a principle? It's a principle. Put on, he said. Take up. Stand. Sometimes standing up for what's right. Just standing, it activates the armor of God. He said, gird up. That means to gird up. It literally means to tighten. It's really, really relating to, to the waist, the loins, the loins. Now, I'm not going to get into the anatomy of, of, a, of a warrior, but the loins is, 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 is well, how can I say this? Hmm. The reproductive system of a man. But the Bible says, gird up the loins of your mind. Because in the mind, you're reproducing thoughts and creating things. So how do you gird up the loins of your mind? Through the word of God and your spirit mind being strong through prayer. So if I get saved, and I, and I thank God for salvation how many of you remember the day you got saved and you felt God's presence or you, you took a step of faith? In that one moment, your faith did something for you and you started to experience protection in your life, reproduction in your life without even knowing it because your heart was touched. The real armor of God, it's equipped on your heart. We imagine it being on our bodies, but it's in our spirit man. It's in areas of our spirit man, our heart. The conscience, the conscience to do right. Some people lose their armor and there's a kink, a chink, an opening in the armor. Because of a seared conscience. When we know that we're not supposed to do it, or if, you know, th there is no law, right, to certain things. Uh, there are some things that are, that are legal to do. So we, as a nation, sometimes think, well, the Bible says abide by the laws of the land, so therefore the laws are gospel and God's word is trumped. Well, no, it's not. You're not going to find the definition of Christianity in the Constitution more than you will in the Bible. In the, and the Bible is the, is the Christian compass. The Bible is our map, our guidance, our direction. And when God's Word says... It's wrong or it's right or to live this way. It's our responsibility to simply obey it. 
walk by faith, and God says signs will follow them that believe. Don't look for signs to follow. He said the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they look for signs. But you, he told the disciples, he said, these signs shall follow them that believe. Signs follow the believer. And this is where you start seeing God take action in your life. And so here, for example, if you wake up in the morning and you say, I put on the helmet of salvation, bam, and there it is. Come on. Here's how that works. First of all, you have to believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins. It's talking about the helmet of salvation. That means that, again, the helmet protects the brain, the thought. And many people lose the joy of their salvation because they've allowed their thinking to be affected. So in order for them to put on the helmet of salvation, they have to enjoy and have a reality check of them literally being saved by Jesus and live in a life of gratitude. I mean, I'm telling you, living a life of gratitude, it activates the helmet of salvation. It does. So when things come your way and things don't work out right, you know that there's a better life after this life. You know that there is something bigger that God has in store. You have hope in God's salvation because the salvation isn't just limited to the cross. Salvation goes beyond the cross into your daily life. He saves us. You know, I bet you, you don't even know. We don't even know how many times God has saved your bacon. We don't even know how many times God has saved us from things, kept us from things. But what kept you on the right track was is your mindset. You know you've been forgiven. You know that you've been saved by grace. You have an understanding. You woke up in the morning and you said, God, thank you for this day. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for empowering me. Thank you for waking me up in my right mind. And you don't even realize you've got a helmet of salvation on until you have something that comes and attacks you and hits you on the head. What was that? That was a fiery dart is what that was. But thank God you had your helmet on. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, having a heart of gratitude every day will activate that protection and you start walking in the joy of your salvation. Okay, okay, I'm getting off track a little bit, but I feel like I have to teach you and help you. And by the way, if you're going to come to this church, I advise you, please, please um, take notes because this is one of those churches where if you miss something, you think, man, that was a good saying. I'll remember it later. You won't remember it later. Uh, go back to the podcast. Go watch it on YouTube. But if you go home and watch it, this is just pastoral advice and a teacher's advice. If you go home and listen to it again, take notes at home so you can remember. Let me help you understand how to get joy. Joy is a product of peace. You can't have joy if you don't have peace. 
We're fixing to go on vacation. Guess what I'm going to do? Guess what my objective is? Just to have some peace. I have peace in my spirit, but this flesh needs some peace too. And when you're able, case in point, here's how, here's how you can identify this. Are you ready? Watch this. Mama, when you have finally, now you love your babies. I know you love your babies. I know you love your babies, but you can't tell me you're looking forward. You're really, you're not looking forward to school starting this year and the house being empty. Thank you, Chachi. Thank you, brother. Just saw you back there. You see, you can't, you can't tell me that you're going to not enjoy, you know, how do I say this without sounding like, you know, you hate your kids. I know you don't hate your kids, but be, let's be honest, you can't wait for them to get back to school either if your kids are there. So, so you see, things are hectic right now, right? Things are crazy right now. It seems like they're, and you have no joy because you've had no peace. But listen, you, this is, <laughs> hear me out. But when you can think because there's no one screaming and fighting over the game controller, you have an opportunity to find that peace of mind. Now, this is why prayer is so important in the morning. That's why you got to do it early when no one's awake. Find some peace so you can get some joy. Then you start enjoying your life. I enjoy life when there's peace. But here's the key to peace. Having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That means that every step I take is geared for reconciliation with God. Here's where peace comes in. Have you ever asked God for forgiveness and a peace came into your life? You want to know what that peace is a product of? being forgiven. It's a reconciliation with the creator of the universe. Your God has been reconciled. The blood of Jesus has brought clarity to you. And now there is peace. Peace is a product of reconciliation. And having that reconciliation and that peace in your mind gives you an awareness that you have something to be thankful for, hopeful for, happy about. You're not happy if you don't have any peace. I got to move on. I'm way ahead. I'm way off here. But when you've been walking with Jesus, all, all you're doing when you're quoting the word now and you're saying, I have the whole armor of God, you're reaffirming to something that's already there. You're reaffirming. You're reestablishing. You, you do not. Most people don't realize that they have armor intact, and they'll walk, and in their mind, they'll think, how am I going to make it through this? I have darts flying at me everywhere. People are saying all kinds of things against me. Listen, if you've got haters, you're on the right track. Don't worry about them. Don't sweat the small stuff. Let God take care of it all. You just keep doing the right thing. You keep being what God's called you to be. And I'm telling you that ultimately, just a simple walk with Jesus, just simply keeping it simple, will put on every equipment that heaven has. Piece of armor necessary. 
the more you will expand your thinking and thank him for his righteousness. Expand it. Tell him, thank you for provision in my life. Thank you for giving me the conscience and the spirit to be obedient to make the right decisions in my life. Thank you for letting my steps be ordered to tell somebody about you and to keep you in my life. As you take action, as you have a relationship, your heart is covered. You're engaged. Now I want to give you the key. Here's the key I'm going to give you today. I'm breaking this down to one key because I found out at one point, because I found out when I give you too many, you're not going to remember them all. But if I can expand on one good thought, you'll walk away with something you can remember. Here's what I want you to remember today. Armor is released when your assignment is fulfilled. We didn't see armor on Jesus or the ability to deflect an attack in his life until he was doing his assignment and until he became engaged with warfare. And many times warfare is not our part. God has sent the Spirit, the Holy Spirit into your life. God has given you warring angels. Most of the time, armor was meant just to protect you. Armor. Now, the sword of the Spirit was meant to attack and to divide asunder, right? The Word of God. The Spirit of God, that's, re- that's speaking of what the Spirit says according to His Word and according to the Holy Ghost, and this is what we see happening. But armor was meant to protect you. And so when you're involved with something, how many of you are just, how many of you went through a battle recently or you're going through a battle right now? Raise your hand. If you haven't raised your hand, this is good because get ready because you will go through a battle. It doesn't matter if you're... Uh, goody tissues or what people think about you and it doesn't matter One, your hell doesn't want you to make it all the way that's the point and hell doesn't want you to be blessed and that's another point and hell can't touch God so he, he, he goes to the next best thing and those are those that are created in his image and that's you so whether you like it or not you're a target you're a target of influence you're a target because you represent the Most High God. Even, even, and you may disagree with me, but I want you to think about this. Even people who aren't saved are still targets because they're still in the image of God. They're human beings. But armor is released, it is activated. When you are fulfilling your assignment, you want to know what your first assignment is above all things? Is to simply be a child of God. That's an assignment. That's our calling. I'm called to be a Christian. Christian is a word that was made up by the, by the Greeks and by the, by the heathen nation and by the Jews at that time, meaning to fo- a, a follower and worshiper of Jesus Christ. So it's not something that God gave us. Christian is a word that they use to identify the believers of Christ back in the Bible day, okay? But what the Bible does call us, the Bible calls us sons of God. The Bible calls us a child of God. The Bible calls us redeemed, saved, 
The scripture calls us sanctified saints. And that's what makes you different. You can act like everybody else if you want to, but you and God know who you really are and who you really want to be. Everybody wants to do good things and do the right thing. Not everybody has the power and the ability to do that because only God, only God can cause you to live righteously. Not our own righteousness, but God's righteousness. And how do you get God's righteousness? How does the breastplate come into your life? Here's how it comes, by simply being obedient. He said, follow my commandments. You can clap your hands. Somebody wanted to clap their hands. I saw you, buddy. Clap your hands. You want to clap your hands? Clap your hands. Yeah. God, God has given you equipment in your life that you probably not, you're not even aware of because you have been consistent with your life. Consistency. When we start off in our relationship with God, we don't have a full understanding of everything that God has given us or what's available to us. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't click. We don't know. I didn't know what armor was. I didn't know how you, how it was put on. I used to quote the scripture and say, I put on the armor of God right now. Somebody told me every morning when you wake up and, and, and God bless them. God bless every person who's ever done this. And if this is you, don't hate me. Because I understand the motive. Every morning, you need to say, I put on the helmet of salvation. Every morning, you need to say, I put on the breastplate. I put on my chanclas. I put on get my sword, whatever. That's great. But that doesn't put the armor of God on you. It's a lifestyle where the Spirit equips you with something because of the life that you live in Christ Jesus and Jesus being in your life. See, really and truly, he's the armored one. He's the true warrior. He's our true protection. But unless you allow him to enter into that place of consciousness in your life or a place of making decisions and a place of obedience, he can't protect it. Wherever you let Jesus in is whatever and wherever he'll protect you. Does that make sense? Okay, are you with me? We don't always understand this when we first come to God, but it's like David. Look at 1 Samuel 17, 38 through 39. Look at this. So Saul clothed David. This is when he came and he offered to, uh, he, he said he could defeat Goliath. And so David showed up with a sling and a stone. Then then he went, and the king said, I, you know what? You need more than that. Being kind, but he clothed him with his armor. <laughs> and if you remember the scripture, uh, Samuel, Samuel described David as a little ruddy individual, right? And the Bible says that when it first described King Saul, when it found him, he was hidden among the stuff, but he was good-looking, he was tall, he was broad-shouldered. Kind of like me. Just kidding. I wish I was taller. Anyhow, but I thank God for good looks. Woo! 
forgive me, Lord. Here we, look, here, here's what the Bible says. He put his armor on him. So if you can just imagine this ruddy little guy putting on this, like, armor, the king, you know. Can you imagine walking around? <laughs> I'm ready to go. He couldn't do it. He said, thank you, king. I can't do it. David fastened his sword to his armor, and he tried walking. Listen, he tried walking, but he had not tested them. That means he tried walking with the sword on him, and he goes, <laughs> for David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these. That's what he said. I can't even walk with these things on me, man. He said, thank you, king, but, you know, it's just hard to walk. I've never tried these things. He said, for I have not tested them. Now, I want you to keep something in mind. The anointing does the work. Even though Saul, even though David wasn't equipped and didn't understand how to use it because it hadn't been tested, God still enabled him to win against Goliath. This is what God does for every new believer. This is what God does for every single one of us, even though we lack knowledge. God still is able to fight our battles. But then you grow into maturity. Then you start to get older in your walk with God. So ultimately, David took them off. They still were offered to him if needed, but he didn't accept. But when he fought Goliath, he did win, and then he took Goliath's sword, or maybe his own. It's not very clear, but he took the sword, and he cut off the head of Goliath. But watch this. In the next chapter, look at this. In the next chapter, 1 Samuel 21, watch this now. Here's a young man we're looking at in, in, in chapter 17. But in chapter 21, later on in his life, and David said to Ahimelech, he said because, the, because Saul's men had come to destroy David and David was in hiding and he went to the priest and he saw the army coming and so he asked the priest and so he asked the men that were there, he said, is there not here a hand a, on hand, a spear or a sword, for I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me because the king's business required haste. He said, I didn't bring my equipment. He didn't say, oh, I forgot my slingshot. Right? He didn't say, no, but I forgot my slingshot at home. I can't fight. Then I forgot my sword. I forgot my equipment. I forgot. David... At some point in his life, had tested and tried the equipment he wasn't able to wear and, 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 and perform in. Now, he's asking for equipment, armor. He's grown up. He's learned how to use it now. God is going to give you an education to teach you how to war and how to fight in your life. 
and I'm going to show you how to win that battle and how to get equipped again. But I'm telling you, God in his divine mercy and our ignorance has kept us and saved us from so many things. But God brings us to a place of maturity where he expects us to know how to use the equipment available to us in the spirit. At some point, we have to grow up, put on your big boy pants, right? Don't make me do this to you. We have to grow up and to maturity to be valiant in the spirit in our life with Christ where we're not intimidated by any situation and we face the battle, but before the battle occurs, we understand that the battle belongs to the Lord and we have knowledge to know that the Lord has never lost a battle. The Lord has never been defeated. He has never been put down because his armor worked. He knew how to use it because it was protecting him. And David calls out for it. And here's what's significant to me. And I've got to come to a close. Here's what's significant to me. The, the Bible says at this moment, so the priest said, the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, there it is, there it is, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. And if you will take it, take it, if you will, Take that, take it for thee, for there is no other except that one here. And David said, there is none like it. Give it to me. He took the sword of Goliath. Oh, here, think about this, and here is the point. The very weapon that was used by the enemy to defeat David was now in the hands of David to defend his enemy. Whatever enemy you attack, God will always turn the tables on them if you learn how to defeat. Listen to me. There are certain devils you have to deal with there are certain things in your life that have to be dealt with before you can ever defeat any other challenge in your life. Thank you, Lord. God just gave me a, a here, here's what I'm going to tell you. Are you ready? Goliath means champion, a land of in between, a champion. The biggest foe you will ever face is yourself. And until you allow the spirit to loose and surrender your authority or your headship, he cannot become the head of your life. And until you defeat this guy, did you know that the promised land was given to Israel but it was already inhabited. I believe that those inhabitants could reflect and be used 
as an analogy and symbolize the very works of our flesh, our very own nature. Our very own nature is our worst enemy. The only enemy you truly will face is the one you see in the mirror. That's it. Remember, Jesus defeated the devil at Calvary already. The only opponent that the Holy Ghost has to deal with is this flesh, this will. But when that giant is killed, God will give you the very influence and the equipment that was used to overcome that first battle to win every other battle in your life. Oh, my God, this is just flowing. See, the sword of Goliath was like nobody else. Did you know your spirit, your entity, your personality is like nobody else? You know that every single one of us have a fingerprint like nobody else? Until your, oh, thank you, Lord, your uniqueness, your identity is not like anyone else's, and no one else can defeat the giants that you have to face. No one else can influence the people that you have to influence. You are like Goliath's sword. There is none other like it. And until God kills and gets rid of the person that holds that sword, which is self-willed, then the anointed king in your life, the son of David, the most high God, can't really relinquish and adequately equip you and use it to defeat the other giants in your life. You want to know how to take care of giants? You want to know how to deal with giants? Raise your hand if you want to know how to deal with giants. Are you ready? Here's how you do it. One at a time. Take care of this first. Oh, come on. Take care of this giant first, and then all the other giants are nothing. 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 You want to walk in favor? You want to take your promised land? You really want to take what God has intended for you? The most valuable thing in your life are the things you can't see. The most valuable things in your life are the things you can't see. I do business and own businesses because I don't want, it's not about the money for me. It's about the legacy and the family and this church and the kingdom of God. There are other things that are more important. Things are not important as much as the people that are there. As much as the principles that you live by, which is the word of God which is the relationships that are in your life that God gave you. That's what we fight for. That's what we live for. That's what we die for. What I'm trying to tell you is David had a stronger objective than just being king. He had a call in his life. He was appointed by God, and God gave him an inherent drive 
Maybe he couldn't completely understand it, but there was something inside of David that said, I have to stay pure. I have to stay right. Even when David was a warrior, listen, he became Saul's armor bearer. He graduated from the childish things, and he learned how to be a valiant, valor, a man of valor. And the true warrior in him had a chance to kill his enemy, who was the king. But when he came into that moment, and he was close by him in the cave, he didn't stab him, thrust him, kill him. He took a piece of his garment, cut it off, showed it to the king. He said, I could have, but I didn't. Because he learned how to, every warrior learns self-control. Patience. Everything you have ever gone through in your life, every trouble you have ever faced in your life was a process. Not that God caused it, but God uses those moments to develop you, grow you, show you how to war, show you you want the anointing. The anointing comes with the price. Does anybody, ever, does anybody want the anointing in their life that God has for you? I'm telling you, people say, they say it all the time, I'm anointed. Are you really? You're anointed and you're still living like a devil. I'm just saying. Am I being religious? Does this sound religious? Do I sound like one of those? I don't care. I'm just simply saying. I'm just saying. The anointing that I understand comes with a price. People operate in gifting sometimes. People operate in talent. Some people operate off charisma. But when you have an anointing from God, it comes out of lifestyle and surrender and holiness. And when you come in confrontation with the devil and a spirit, it can't stand against the God that's flowing through you. But when you got restrictions... Every daddy, I'm going to talk to every daddy, every daddy in this building. I had a, a preacher friend of mine, a preacher friend of mine, I shared it on, on Facebook a while back. He said that uh, he, he gave this point. He said, did you know that, uh, <laughs> that the poodle used to be a hunting dog? The poodle used to be a hunting dog. This past week, we used to have a little poodle. His name was Giddy. Giddy was a mess. We couldn't handle Giddy. So we gave it to somebody else who could handle Giddy. Come to find out they couldn't handle Giddy either, and they're trying to give it back to us. <laughs> it was so funny. That little poodle is spoiled. We spoiled him too. I have friends, you may have, you may have a poodle, but that little poodle used to be a hunter. But now we've domesticated them. Paint their little fingernails. Put little bows on them. Even male poodles. Now, listen, listen. I'm not talking about, I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm just simply telling you, I think in the church, we have, we have lost are men to the American way, and men forgot 
They were made to be warriors and hunters. And we have domesticated men who are now getting You know what I'm about to say. I mean, I may get one on vacation. I don't know, just to give. But all I'm saying is, you've been fed a lie to think that you don't have to stand up for something, that you have to comply to everything. But you weren't designed to be domesticated and to be an American cultured man. You were made to be a kingdom cultured warrior to stand up for what's right to do the right thing for your family. But this is what I want to tell you. For every man and every father, you want to see your children saved. You want to see your children make the right decisions. You want to see your marriage last. You want to see things take place for your family that only God can do. Put on the whole armor of God and let the armor of God begin to protect you. Hold on, Haley. Don't start nothing yet. Don't, I know you're trying to want me off, but here, don't, don't do it yet. I'm going to show you something. This is how you get the armor on. Right there. That's how you get the armor on. Are you ready? Prayer. We know that, don't we? Okay, that didn't work out. Prayer. Prayer brings Humility. God is drawn to humility. When we humble ourselves, the Spirit of God. Are you ready? Uh, I'm doing my favorite little. The Spirit of God begins to reign and fall on us. That's what happens. When, when, when we humble ourselves and we pray, and we break down before God. We are empowered. And you don't even know the armor God is placing in your life. But God is putting something there in the weak places to make you strong. That's where the anointing comes. This is where the blessings come. This is why so many people, if I'm talking to you, respond to me. This is why so many people when they get blessed or something good happens, it's not much longer. It's like the enemy comes in and takes it away from you, and we stand in frustration over and over and over. That's because there are some openings in our spirit and in our family where the enemy slides into to rob you of every good thing. But when you've got the armor of God on, when you are humbling yourself, can I show you what hell sees when you're in this position. Let me show you what hell really sees when you're in this position. This is what hell sees. Hell sees this. That's what you look like in your flesh. This is what you look like in your spirit. That's what the devil's afraid of. See, when, you, when you're dressed like this, 
and hell shows up to your house and wants to mess with your kids, it'll think twice about it. It'll have to go and get reinforcements to come back to your house. When you're walking down the street and you're dressed like this, hell doesn't try to, hell won't mess with you. But when you're doing this, you look like that. I got to tell you, I got to tell you, you, you don't have to tell me if you got a prayer life. We'll see the favor. We'll see the authority. We'll see the purity above all things. See, don't misunderstand faith. Some people can use faith and still be blessed. Because you, you got the originator of faith, which was the Lord, the Father. But see, God only blesses and secures the one who have the right covenant. Oh, boy. Okay. All right. You see, Abraham had two sons, Isaac and Ishmael. They both were blessed because they had the same father. In fact, they looked identical side by side in blessings. But see, only one had the right mother, which was Isaac. And God said, I'll bless Ishmael. That's why you got to be careful when you go to every church and you feel like you feel the excitement, all the hype and all the whatever. You got to realize there's more to it than that. There's a lifestyle and a covenant. And then God said, listen, Abraham, I'll bless Ishmael, but I'm only going to make my covenant with Isaac. And he made his covenant with Isaac. And Isaac's, Isaac's life was blessed and secure. Out of the loins of Isaac came out leaders, kings, nobles, prophets, powerful women. And then the seed called to Christ. But he lived a life of covenant to protect his lineage. See, here's a point I want to give you. In conclusion, the armor of God doesn't remove temptation, but keeps you from it. The armor of God, only the sword of the spirit. See, this, the armor is not just, the armor is what protects you. The sword of the spirit is just what it is, the sword. It'll drive off the tempter. But the armor of God doesn't remove temptation. It protects you from it. Keeps you pure. Keeps you right. But how do you get it? A little lady right there. Kind of looks like I put it on there because it kind of looked like Sister Deidre. Where you at, Deidre? You here? She not here? Oh, she's she's teaching. Little lady praying right there. You know what? I, I, I don't I don't care much for, for for trying to get. I like hanging around big guys. I love I, I like having big friends. But more than that, I like those little ladies that know how to pray and get on their knees because they know how to bring angels around in your life. When it comes to protection, give me a praying mama. Give me a praying wife. Give me a praying brother or a praying sister in the church. Give me somebody who knows how to touch God and bring angels that are warring angels in my life because God will do all the fighting for me and God will do something great. 
But when you humble yourself and you allow yourself, listen, it's not hard. Just every day, somehow, allow yourself to bend a knee. When's the last time we lay prostrate before God like that? When's the last time you got on the carpet, got on the floor, and just simply began to worship, simply began to surrender to the king, simply began to give him honor and give him reverence and tell him, Lord, I honor you today. I worship you today. I surrender my mind. I surrender my heart. I surrender my, my hands. I surrender my feet, my path. I surrender my will. I surrender and I worship you. You, dear God and I worship you from the bottom of my heart and I acknowledge you God as the Lord of my life and I God praise you and I thank you for this day and I thank you for covering me and I thank you God for walking with me in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus Father forgive me forgive us all of our sins forgive us for our transgression you said daily pray a prayer deliver us you said from temptation you said of the the apostles you said it lord you said you prayed to the father jesus and you said i pray that you don't take them out of the world but you said but keep them from evil that's what jesus said he said lord don't take them out of the world just keep them from evil a thousand shall fall at thy side and 10,000 at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh into your dwelling. There's something about this. I feel the anointing in the house. Oh, I feel the anointing. I feel it. I feel it. I feel it. If you feel it, stand to your feet. Somebody pray in the spirit. It's all right. Come on. Somebody pray. Pray in the spirit. Somebody you're praying in the Spirit, and God is putting armor on you. You're praying in the Spirit, and you're getting more of His righteousness. You're praying in the Spirit, and you're seeing God just give you your joy back, the joy of your salvation. You're praying in the Spirit, and God is, is clothing your feet. He's putting the breastplate on you. There's a shield of faith. A faith that you've never had before. A faith that you didn't know was, was even possible to obtain in your life. A faith that will get you through battles. A faith that will get you through trials. A faith that will ward off all the fiery darts. I speak right now, Father, by the sword of the Spirit against depression, against loneliness, against temptation, against addictions right now. Bless your people. Bless your people right now, Father. We speak against tormenting, tormenting spirits. We speak against a spirit of fear. You're not allowed in this place by the blood of Jesus. Hell cannot influence and touch our mind and touch our thinking. We walk as the light of the world. We bless you today. Hey, we bless you. bless you today, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. How many of you feel that right now? I feel faith in this building. There are more miracles that take place in this church than you know. 
There are more things driven out of people's lives by the Spirit of God than you know. It's, why do you even come to church? You come to church to get equipped by God. You come to church to make sure that the general, the captain of our salvation, can make sure that there are no openings there, that everything is snug and tight. That your sword is sharp. And then we get our assignment and we go out and live a victorious life. You are more than a conqueror. You're an overcomer in Christ Jesus. You're equipped to live the life. You can live a blessed life and do live a blessed life just walking with him. Somebody give God some praise in this house. Tell him, tell him, I receive it. I receive it. I receive it. You're change and I know you can change it Lord wash me make me clean give me a spirit of obedience give me peace in my life give me joy in my life and I'm going to thank you you are the Lord of my life I know you gave your life for me now I'm giving my life back to you in Jesus name Somebody say amen. Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. 
If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at CLC Victoria and download our app.